hello there, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show. I, of course, am Mr. Warren Hayes, and we are getting ready to talk about pro wrestling for another while. <laughs> Again, today, uh, we are recording this on uh, June 13, 2023, so we are going to be talking about some things that have happened in the wacky world of professional wrestling right here on YouTube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes. Hey, consider giving a like to the video. Consider subscribing as well, because look, and and. And, you know, same thing if you're listening to this on, on audio, on your favorite uh, audio feed, uh, you know, a, a, a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and a five-star rating on Spotify. The, the, those things help out a great deal. But let me tell you, I'll tell you one thing. I'll tell you this. It's a good time to subscribe to the channels or to the audio feeds. And I'll tell you why. I've got a lot of content coming up. Some content that might interest you. As you know, on top of the podcast that I do every Tuesday, which we record live, by the way, at 7 p.m. Eastern, I also do an AEW Dynamite review, which I record and release on Thursdays, the day after Dynamite. So that always happens on the Thursdays. But this week, Collision is going to be debuting this Saturday, June 17. So I am going to be starting my own, debuting my own AEW Collision review, which will be just like the Dynamite one, Recorded the next day, released on the Sunday. So you want to be around for that as well. But even on top of that, and I'm going to talk about it as well a little later on in the show. But let's get this out of the way from the top of it. G1 season's on the way. You know what your boy's going to be doing? Daily coverage of the G1 33. The G1 Climax 33. Every day, I'm going to be covering the G1 from top to bottom, just like I do every year. But, you know, over the past couple of years, I combined two days into one review. But now I'm going to do, uh, look, I'm going to do my best anyway to do daily reviews. And if you're into that or you want to be into it, this is the time to subscribe to what I'm doing. This is the time to, to get into the Mr. Warren Hayes show. This is what we should do right here. And it is a good idea to do it. You should absolutely do that. Go ahead. Also, what is a good idea for you to do is to uh, seek out the uh, the Music of the Mat podcast, which is also available on the Voices of Net- Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Uh, I joined Andrew Rich, the host of the show, to talk about music, pro wrestling themes, uh, uh, not just music in general, but pro wrestling themes specifically. We did what he likes to call a New Japan grab bag, where we talk about a bunch of themes he pulls up a bunch of themes from New Japan and we talk about uh, some of the themes and how, you know, how do they work? Are they good? So on and so forth. So some music reviews and it was a lot of fun. That's out right now. So once you're done listening to this, I suggest you seek out Music of the Mat. You subscribe to that. Subscribe to the feed on Voices of Wrestling uh, as well. That stuff is fantastic. And it was a good time. And thank you again, Andrew, for having me on the show. It was really, really a good time. I'm also going to be heading over to France virtually this weekend on Sunday. Uh, our good friends over at L'Ariette are uh, putting together a quiz show, a first annual, like a super quiz event. And they've invited me to talk, to do, to do wrestling trivia. I'm going to stink at it, but it's going to be a good time. Um, so you, you check that out. I'll leave some links in the description where you can find, uh, where you can follow Lariate on Twitch. And, uh, it'll be this Sunday afternoon here on the Eastern Seaboard. It'll be like at 9 p.m. in, uh, in Europe, but you can check it. You can check that out. I'll leave some links. I'd love to see you there. Come practice your French. It'll be a good time. Um, what else? Oh, 
the Discord. Join the Discord. Come chat about Pro Wrestling. Link is in the description. Uh, I think I've covered everything, really. Uh, there's nothing really more to talk about other than Pro Wrestling. Collision, a few final thoughts before it starts this week um, on June 17. The G1, we're talking about WWE's business negotiations as well. Uh, packed show, and we're reviewing Impact Wrestling's Against All Odds 2023. Thank you all for being here. Let's get into the weekly wrestling inspection without any more hesitation. to start talking about uh we're gonna start talking about pro wrestling here there we go and we're even gonna do this as we begin to talk about um aw collision so yeah aw collision it starts this week folks it's starting this very week this thursday this saturday why am why am i constantly stuck on thursdays what is the thing with thursdays what is so special about thursdays Every time I mess up a day, it's something about a Thursday. It's Thursday, Thursday, Thursday. I don't know. But uh, we've got collisions starting this week. This Finally this Saturday, June 17, from the United Center in Chicago. It is the very first edition of AW, of AW Collision. We know at, at the moment that we're recording this right now. The moment we're recording this, which is uh, 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 June 13th, on a Tuesday, there is but one match that has been announced so far, that is CM Punk and FTR, aka CMFTR, who have just released a shirt, going up against Samoa Joe and the Bullet Club Gold, uh, Jay White and Juice Robinson. So that's, that's where we're at right now. It's finally happening. It's going to be a momentous occasion. It's a big deal. Let's be honest. It's a it's a it's a big deal for uh, for everything that's that's been going on for AEW, and you know it's something. I I don't know if people remember how far back we have to go talking about this. You know, remember when we were when AEW was talking about you know adding. You know, the third hour of programming, and that turned out to be dynamite. And then it was like, oh, we're going to keep on adding more programming. You know, we got... This has been a a discourse, a story that's been, you know, going on for a while. And it's coming to a a rather substantial culmination right here uh, happening this this week. So, you know, unfortunately, we don't have much to preview outside of this main event, right? Uh, You know, there's, there's no matches to break down. There's nothing that we can say, oh, well, you know, this is going to happen. We should look forward to this. Like, the show is essentially a mystery. And I think it's pretty clear that on, or you know, unless there's some incredible, you know, bold level of booking that happens, I think it's pretty clear that CMFTR are going to be picking up the win here. I wouldn't, the opposite would seem a little a little odd to me at this point. Um, but you know, I think there's a lot of I think there's a lot of questions that you can have. Is like, you know, will CM Punk start off the show? Will he be there with a live mic? And uh, will he air some grievances? I mean, look, it is CM Punk with a live mic. You know, I, I you know to a degree, 
I, I'm 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 surprised that we got this far without things falling apart any more than they are right now, or they did, uh, I should say. But um, yeah, you know, it's like I, I'm I'm still very curious as to what they're going to actually physically do with 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 old Punker outside of the match, right? And I think the match is there by design. I think a lot of people, I, and I believe I talked about it. I don't know. I can't remember when I talked about it. I, either I talked about it uh, last week or, uh, or, or or on the Going Broadway uh, members-only stream that we do on Fridays. Uh, I don't quite remember when I talked about it, but, you know, I think it is the... Um, I think it's clear to me that... Um, that you know they, they 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 that they didn't put Punk in a singles main event because because he's broken, <laughs> and I don't think you want to break him out the gate, right? I, I, you know, let's just be if we're being completely honest with each other. You know, he's injured. He's been multiple times injured. He's been multiple times injured over the eighteen the span of eighteen months that he was in AEW. Still is, I should say. While he was still active. It's been more than 18 months at this point. You know what I mean. Um, so, you know, it's a, I, I mean, it, there's going to be some smoke and mirroring. You know, uh, Dax and Cash are going to, you know, they're going to handle, you know, most of the work until we get a hot tag from CM Punk and uh, lands the go to sleep. And everyone's going to get a big pop and everyone's going to, get really excited and yeah there'll probably be a triple sharpshooter spot and everyone will be really happy and go home go home happy and and, and that's all right that's what it should be hey plugo nice to see you and welcome so you know uh, it's fine i you know i've you know in my haunts and my 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 little outlets and and, and discussions you know i've you know the the word that's been going around is that uh, um, next week's collision. Since we're all, you know we're already thinking that far ahead, uh, next week's collision would uh, likely be main evented by CM Punk and Jay White. Which you know I guess I guess is a fun it's a fun little thing. I think you know I think I think it's okay, but I think it also demonstrates. Not demonstrates. What's the word I'm looking for? It. Let me flip it this way. Imagine how great it would have been, how this main event for Collision would have been, if Jay White had not been booked like just another Joe Schmo on the roster and had been brought in like a top guy, feeling like a top guy, acting like a top guy, looking like a top guy. As opposed to whatever it is he does now you know but i digress like in a you know in a in a uh, in a vacuum in a void uh his uh uh you know cm punk versus jay white is an outstanding kind of holy shit they're doing this match kind of thing but it would probably have a lot more cachet if um, it would probably have a lot more cachet if Jay White had still been with New Japan at this point. Because right now, I don't blame anyone for just shrugging their shoulders and going like, "Who is this Jay White?" Like anyone, who, anyone who's watching AEW and, and you know has cursory knowledge of Jay White and New Japan and that 
you know, they could be just shrugging their shoulders going, who is this Jay White fellow? Why, why, why is everyone making such a big deal out of him? You know, he's, he's just a guy kind of thing. And I can't blame you. I can't blame you for thinking that. That makes sense. Anyway. So that's what we have to look forward to. Right. Um, of course there's, you know, around the whole, around the whole story here with the, uh, uh, with collision, of course, is the, is the tale of, um, of CM Punk, uh, CM Punk selling tickets, right? The draw. That was the thing. And, uh, you know, and I myself, that was the thing that I was focusing in on when he was, uh, when they were announcing his return. I was like, well, will he be able to push these tickets? Will he be able to move things forward? Will, will he be a draw as everyone sort of hopes and to a degree expects him to be? Um, right now, the, let me pull this up here. The, the United Center right now has distributed 8,437 tickets. This is according to, uh, WrestleTix and their, uh, latest update, which was, uh, yesterday, the 12th. 8,437 tickets out of a, uh, out of a setup of 10,214. Um, which is, here's the thing, 10,000 set up for the United Center is like what, 7,000 less than what was done, right? I think that's the thing. I mean, it's not as great as, it's not as great as the, uh, the first dance was. But then again, you'll never get something like the first dance in regards to CM Punk ever again, right? I guess that was, that was special. It was a historical moment to a degree. It was, uh, something you will not be able to, re- to reproduce. No matter how much Tony tried to drip, uh, information to us, drip feed us is what I'm trying to say. Uh, no matter how much, you know, he tried to play the same game as two years ago where the words, the name CM Punk was never uttered in the promotion of the first Rampage. But yet everyone expected him to be there and he did show up. Um, you know, despite all of that, Despite him, Tony Khan trying to do it this time, it's not, he will not be able to recreate that. And I think he understood that fairly quickly. We've talked about it, but I think he did understand fairly quickly. And that's why he announced CM Punk was going to be there ahead of time. He announced the first match ahead of time so that people could get excited, so that we could get some, um, some, uh, some buzz around it because there was a lot of, <laughs> a lot of tickets to sell. Um, now, They have less than 2,000 tickets to sell to get to, uh, to get to 10,000, right? To hit, you know, if we're, you know, if we're pulling up a, a, an arbitrary, you know, round number, they've got less than 2,000 tickets to sell to uh, get to the, to 10,000. Now, see, what does this say to me? Well, it says to me that CM Punk is still a draw. In Chicago, uh, there's no big surprise there, but he's, he can still move these tickets in Chicago and he's still going to move these tickets to a degree that it's going to probably be the biggest 
uh, live gate for a TV show in uh, for a, an AEW TV show since um, January 11 at the is that right? Yes, at the uh, Kia Forum in Inglewood. Where they did uh, 9,600 distributed on a show that had started off with practically nothing. You know, I, I think there is something to say here in that regard. That CM Punk in, in, a, in Chicago can still move tickets. And anyone, and, and this is going to do, this is going to be a very good gate for AEW. And they have to be happy about it. It's going to be a successful gate. Because look, you know, recent gates have not been all that fantastic. You know, we're around 4,000, 4,400, 4,600. Um, you know, we had a bit of a bump here in uh, in Detroit where they did 7,200. Uh, but, uh, you know, we're mostly hanging around the four, mid-4,000s to the 3,000s. Like, we're not, run, you know, it's not insane, crazy-ass numbers here. There's no gravy train right now with AEW. So if they're going to hit 10,000 or close to uh, this weekend on Collision for a brand new show that is completely unproven, um, I think the uh, I think they should be happy about it. And it does show that Phil does have um, does have some uh, some gumption, does still have some draw power. Now, is, does this draw power extend everywhere else? Um, no. <laughs> That's, I think, I think that, um, I think that this is an important distinction to make nonetheless. Is that right now, uh, there are multiple shows, uh, hap- especially those in, in Canada, which are not looking great. And, uh, and in some circumstances are absolutely dismal. Give you an example. I, you know, we're talking about um, before we 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 flipped on the podcast switch. We're talking here live about uh, the collision in Toronto uh, the day before uh, Forbidden Door on uh, June twenty four. Uh, that show currently has one thousand eight hundred and seventy one tickets distributed. Currently set up for. 3,445, uh, yeah, 3,445, again, according to, to WrestleTix, whereas the very next day, the Scotiabank Center is, is sold out. So that's not necessarily fantastic. It's not necessarily good news. Of course, everyone talks about, with reason, uh, everyone's talking about the Hamilton, Ontario, uh, collision, which only has still, uh, you know, as of yesterday, 883 tickets sold out of a setup for 3,083. That's ridiculous. Like that is, that is bad. And there's no way, there's no possible spin you can put on this. It's just bad, bad. Regina, 1,300. Tickets so far. The Saddle Dome in Calgary, 3,500. I would expect that. Uh, and, and, you know, only 4,481 set up for that, uh, for that show. And I would feel that that should go up. You know, that 
the, the Scotiabank Saddle Dome is a, um, it's a huge arena. It's a hockey arena. So, like, even just the setup at 4400 is kind of dismal. But I feel like as the Owen starts kicking in, as more promotion starts kicking in, you know, around the Owen, I feel, I would expect at the very least, that these tickets will start popping. And we start, we come back to the United States. Come back to the United States on uh, July 22nd. 4,378 at the Prudential Arena. Prudential Center, excuse me. That's, again, uh, uh, you know, um, you know 5,900 is the uh, setup right now. It's good, but it's still another big basketball arena. Like, I don't know what... I don't know what the issue is with collisions right now because they are not, they're not drawing well. And I think this is an indication, but not, I'm not like outright murdering the guy, but I think it is an indication that our boy Phil here isn't necessarily the, uh, the guy that has everyone running to, to the, uh, to the, to the ticket counter. Uh, to buy as many tickets for them as and, and their friends as possible. I don't think he's pushing as hot as uh, as much as he as a lot of people believed he would. But I also have and because I've mentioned this and I think it is an important part of this equation nonetheless. And I trying to say too many things at once, but the the theory that I have is that the drip feed of Tony Khan in regards to what collision was going to be, I think that was a, I, I think that was a bad decision that ultimately ended up muddying the waters and making, creating an environment of uh, uncertainty in regards, in the minds of wrestling fans who might have been excited to buy a ticket to go see a, you know, an A-rated show. You know, the, the whole thing around not announcing CM Punk at the upfronts, then, which is still a little muddied, you know, yeah, there's, there's still, you know, the, the, the reasons why they did it is, is, is maybe not entirely clear, you know, but, uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of suppositions. I, you know, there's things that seem very clear as how they, where they were handled, but the decision, to take CM Punk off of the upfronts, I think was weird. The decision for Tony Khan to say next week we've got something great to announce for three weeks straight was a little weird. And I really do feel like he thought the allure of CM Punk would carry, you know, into high levels of ticket sales without doing much promotion, but it's not the case. Clearly. Especially on something that was unproven like uh, like Collision. Because look, the Dynamites are doing fine. Uh, you know, I wouldn't say they're doing outstandingly great business. You know, but again, let's, if, we, if we take the, you know, the Hamilton, Ontario comparison. Um, 5,278 tickets for Dynamite on the Wednesday. 883 for Collision on the next day. Because people... 
You know, AEW fans know that Dynamite is the flagship. That's the one you don't want to miss. What the fuck is Collision? Couple that onto the fact that there's no national distribution for Collision in Canada. We're going to have to watch it on the goddamn TSN Plus app. Parentheses for all of the non-Canadians watching, listening. Because I know there's a lot of you. TSN is essentially our ESPN here, right? It's the sports network, TSN. And they have a streaming VOD service. I don't know what the hell you want to call it. That you could uh, that you get with your with your subscription when you subscribe on your cable machine, and but it stinks, it stinks, and the video on demand stays like for a week, like you miss a rampage, you can't rewind it, you know. Let's say you arrive late to a rampage, you can't even backtrack on it, like it is a bad app, and this is how we're gonna, you know, we already had to suffer through rampage on this shit. Now we're going to get Collision that's going to be on this as well. Now, don't get me wrong, okay? I wasn't expecting TSN to be like, yeah, we will reserve Saturday nights for your professional wrestling program. We will set adrift the, uh, we will set adrift Saturday night hockey matches during the regular season, which is a, you know, a tradition in Canadian homes. Yeah, we're gonna we're just gonna preempt all of those so that CM Punk and Samoa Joe and Andrade El Idolo will have their time to shine. Like I'm not naive, I'm not stupid. But then again, TSN has like what three or four sub networks? TSN two, three, four, something like that. You're gonna tell me that you know really you, you, there was no way to. Squeeze this on TSN three or whatever. What, what what's on Saturday nights on you know TSN three like World Series of Poker? Like what the fuck? Like who cares? Anyway, that was my my minuscule TSN plus rent. But that's the point. The point still being the point still being that um the point that that uh, 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 there's no proper distribution in Canada of this shit. So, of course, people are weary about it. Why wouldn't they be? Why would they not be weary about this? Be a little on the on their guard going, oh, you know, I'm not quite sure about this. Uh, I'm not quite sure about this, Warren. I'm not sure I'm going to go see AEW two nights in a row. You know what they're going to have to do? They're going to have to, they're going to have, the people who are going to, to go into Hamilton on the Wednesday... They're going to have to give those people one hell of a deal. It's like, hey, bring your, your, your ticket stub, your dynamite ticket stub tomorrow to the show. We'll give you like a 70% discount or something. Like some deep, deep discount like that. Anyway. Um, this was all, why was I, why was I, where was it? I lost the, I lost my, my, my original point. Um, yeah, we would. No, that's it. So, okay. Uh, you know, so, so the collisions not drawing, I think is a, I think it is a, 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 um, a combination of things. I think it is a combination first and foremost of, of, of bad marketing for it. At the upfronts, you just go right ahead. You just jump right in. You say, 
CM Punk is going to be here. TNT raves about it, you know, and, and, and it gets everyone excited. And then that it bleeds over into, you know, into more consciousness because not everyone is on fucking Twitter. And then everyone gets excited about it. Like, all right, cool, 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 cool. Then CM Punk comes back and then everything sort of rolls. Because right now, all this is demonstrating is that CM Punk doesn't have the, he doesn't have the chops anymore. That, that's what this is. Because even on the promise of CM Punk being at a show, it is not enough for your regular AEW fan to be like, yeah, let's do it. Not compelling enough. There's going to be something AEW fans are more like, okay, what else you got? Because the CM Punk allure, the first year of CM Punk returning, that's done. Is there such a thing as punk fatigue? Well, you can ask, you know, uh, Queen of the Mr. Warren Hayes show, Kristen Ashley, about punk fatigue. And I think that is a thing. I think it is a thing particularly with people who are very much online and follow wrestling like all of us do. I don't know how much it translates I, but I don't know how much it translates into the casual, quote-unquote, uh, uh, fan, the less online fan. Uh, but I would say that even the less online fan is maybe not as compelled to jump into a CM Punk environment blindly. It's more like, okay, and maybe, maybe, you know, we've, you know, we've been taught a lesson with Rampage. Maybe it's like, you know what, Rampage was a good show for a while. And we were told this was not going to be a B-show. And now it absolutely is a fucking B-show. And it has been a B-show for a while. So maybe no, you know, we're, maybe fans, maybe AW fans are a little more on their guard. Maybe, maybe they're a little more guarded and they're like, eh, you know what, maybe, maybe we won't give Tony all that big of a, of a break here because, you know, he sort of poo-pooed on us a couple of times here with this Rampage nonsense. I mean, like, I think this all makes sense. So, what should we be looking forward to moving forward? I'm glad you asked. I believe, it would be my instinct to believe that as Collision becomes, airs on television and is able to maintain the same level of quality and expectation as we have with Dynamite, maybe become must-see viewing, if we are able to maintain that, I will see ticket. I think it will be safe to say that tickets will, uh, ticket sales will improve. I think that's, uh, I, and I would expect that to happen, but it will 100% depend on whether the show is good or not. That, that's because it's not just going to be CM Punk showing up that's going to save collision because it's not doing good business right now. It's not doing great business for AEW. It's, you know, it's another thing. And yet, look, I don't know what the overhead is, but I'm pretty sure that 1200 1800 paid, distributed for a show doesn't exactly equate to uh, big balls of money and revenue return on investment for AW. We are now going to talk about WWE's rights. They have rights, people. Like you and me. No. The rights, media rights. Not just, not human rights. Corporations are not humans. But the, uh, 
the, the media rights. We got a little update this week. We have some news. We had some some fresh news coming out. A couple of weeks ago, right, if you remember, last time I think we, we really did talk about this. Um, the uh, Nick Khan was, was on a press tour, if you recall, and he was telling people right and left, you know, how... Um, you know the how the uh, the exclusivity window for negotiating with NBC Universal had closed and it was soon to to shut down with um, with with Fox. Well, now across the board, slice, it's done. Ne- exclusive negotiations, no way, pal. That shit can hit the bricks because as it stands right now, WWE uh, ha- has can negotiate with whomever they want. The exclusive windows are closed. The news was first reported this week by Andrew Marchand of the New York Post, saying that uh, the exclusive WWE TV rights negotiating windows for both Fox and NBC Universal have closed, and the company can now officially solicit interest from the rest of the broadcast and streaming world. Uh, the exclusive period began during WrestleMania weekend in April and late May. While NBC uh, Universal still had some time, while he, uh, while um, uh, Marshawn n- uh, noted incumbents traditionally remain favorites. Of course, very clearly here, very specifically talking about um, NBCU and Fox. Um, the, uh, the sources have indicated to him that Disney has shown interest. For FX, as opposed to ESPN, since ESPN can't guarantee a specific night per week due to uh, due to sports. <laughs> Marshawn also stated that Amazon Prime Video will be in talks. This is a quote, by the way. Amazon Prime Video will be in talks for WWE, and you can see how it fits in their strategy. Unquote. Since they already have the NFL. On uh, Thursday for Thursday night games, and uh, they've been bidding for college football Big Ten conference games as well. Marshawn also noted noted that he considers both Apple and Warner Bros. Discovery as dark horse candidates due to their NBA pursuits. And he, we got this little bit of information here, which should come really to no surprise, but nonetheless, quote: One nugget I was told. Marshawn speaking, of course. One nugget I was told that may interest wrestling fans is that Warner Bros. Discovery does not have to stay exclusive to AEW. It would be something if it got in on WWE, but I don't see it yet. So that was very interesting, very, very interesting um, developments on that front. Um I don't think anyone is is particularly surprised that uh, uh, you know, that uh, uh, WWE is, is is going a little harder with Amazon Prime Video. I think that makes a lot of sense. But uh, moving forward here, we also have some extra little news here, courtesy of our boy uh, Brandon Thurston over at WrestleNomics. Of course, you know if you if you. Look, you have two choices, right? When it comes to following the business of pro wrestling. You know, if you want to get educated about it and understand how things works, rating, ratings and, and media deals and so on and so forth. You've got two choices. You can follow WrestleNomics or you can listen to, you know, weirdos on Twitter. 
I would highly recommend. I would highly recommend following WrestleNomics and subscribing to their Patreon because it just like, uh, because it, 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 it it's just fantastic, fantastic coverage. Um, this is the the, the um, uh, we got of course Brandon Thurston gave a little more uh, a little more in depth insight into all of this, which of course is uh, is fantastic here. The exclusive window for NBCU and NBCU and Fox have both ended now, according to the report. He's offer he's referencing Andrew Marchand here. The NBC the NBCU window for Raw expiring is new. Last month, Nick Khan told said the Fox window had expired. Oh, I got them mixed up. I apologize. I had them confused. I I, I had flipped them around. Apologies for what I said previously. It was the Fox window that had expired first, but now the NBC U one being uh, closed is new information. Now we have some little. Uh, he uh, Brandon here had some information regarding FX. Uh, and its range. FX and USA Network are in similar numbers of U.S. households. Nearly a, every a excuse me, nearly every cable home. FX is just slightly ahead with seven three seventy three point three million homes, and USA in seventy two point four million homes as of June. So look, I mean, it's it's very much basic, right? It's basically the same thing. The exciting part here is FX is owned by Disney. Right, a lot of people still think like this is a Fox thing, but uh, FX, uh, Fox sold FX and you know a bunch of other assets to Disney a few years ago. So it would seemingly add another bidder into the competition for WWE live rights, along with the incumbents, as well as possibly Amazon. WWE Raw or SmackDown on FX could assist with synergies between WWE and UFC when the merger is finalized because Disney owns all live rights for UFC. And I hadn't realized that before reading this part. So this is very, very interesting. And I think I think uh, Brandon points it out a little, uh, a little later, but it's very interesting because there's a lot of talk about taking once the Peacock deal is up, which I believe is in 2026. Yeah, that's right. It's in 2026. Um, once the Peacock deal is up, there is a lot of talk that UFC and WWE could package their catalogs together and sell uh, sell their content to a streamer as a bundle. So that's, you know, very interesting. Let's continue this uh, this little text here. WWE's current rights, current rights negotiations won't be shopped with the assistance of Endeavor, Nick Khan said at a conference talk in May. WWE streaming rights held by NBCU and used for Peacock expire in early 2026, though, and the renewal timing for that deal is likely after the WWE-UFC merger is complete. At that point, streaming rights for WWE and UFC could be sold together, a possibility Khan seemed open to in an interview in April. Marshawn also reported that Warner Bros. Discovery doesn't have an exclusivity agreement with AEW for wrestling, so Warner Bros. Discovery could potentially bid on WWE as well. So, this is all fascinating stuff. Um, and, uh, and, it, and it throws a, a, a little more, uh, a, a little more uh, 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 questions 
into the uh, into this whole scenario that maybe were maybe it felt a little clearer a few months ago, but not anymore. Um, I, you know, FX USA similar range uh, networks. You know, I think that look, I believe that USA Network will suffer tremendously. And I don't want to come out here and say, they're going to shut down. But they're going to suffer tremendously if they, if they lose Raw because Raw is the top-rated show on the entire network. There's nothing that even comes close. That's what they do their most business with on Monday nights with uh, with Vince McMahon's House of Muscular Muscletude. That's what, that, that, that's what they do. Um, so I don't know. I really don't know if this is something that uh, I really don't know if this is something that's going to uh, that's going to stick for for the, I, I don't even know if if USA Network is going to stick. I'm trying to say I don't know if they're going to have like any form of survivability moving forward. What is their outlook if they lose their top rated show? Now it could have that kind of. Uh, it could generate that kind of excitement for FX who, you know, I think for, for a while, right? For a while, I believe FX was, uh, was very interested, uh, on, um, was, was very, was, was in a, a, a scenario where they were doing a lot of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, 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 you know, high-end television, you know, uh, 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 prestige TV. That's the, that's the term I was looking for. They were doing, they were doing uh, some of that, you know, they had the bikers and all of that. And it's, things have sort of trailed off. Like, I don't think FX is in as great a position as it once was. I really don't. So, I'm wondering if this wouldn't be like a good shot in the arm for FX and would actually get people excited and interested to watch the network again. Maybe that would shoot up some numbers. Not unlike what WWE does for for USA on Monday nights. I mean, the track record is there. And then if you add both, which I'd be surprised, but if you add both, and wouldn't you think that the numbers are going way, way up? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Because USA has been in the mire for a while and and hasn't hasn't been able to get out of it. What like Chrisley's was that the other big show that they had? Chrisley's. When's the last time y'all sat down, you know, rubbing your hands together and going, "Oh boy, I can't wait for some big time USA Network programming, boys." You know, it's like, it's, 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 that doesn't happen anymore. I don't even know if it ever did happen. Was there a time where the network was like prime viewing? That you, you know, must see TV. I don't know. I can't help but think, I can't help but think that um, AW, not AW, excuse me. I can't help but think that um, the, um, I just completely lost my train of thought for a second here. Yeah. <laughs> Look, 
we'll move on. I'll probably get back to the point in a second. I've completely lost my train of thought here. Um, in in the uh, the WrestleNomics post, Brandon Thurston mentions that John Pollock and 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 he had an interview, a uh, sit down with um, with Tony Khan that they recorded yesterday, as we're recording this on Monday, and is going to be released on Wednesday. Um, and he asked them if indeed Warner Bros. Discovery, uh, in fact, didn't have a a a, a an exclusivity for AEW, right? And uh, and Tony Khan was, as Brandon says, was non-committal, so didn't give a, a an answer. Not to be surprised, but uh, nonetheless, I'm excited to hear this this interview that John Pollock and, and Brandon put together because um, because listen, this will be an interview where no one is going to be asking, you know, oh when when is AEW coming back to Atlanta? Or when is AEW coming back to San Francisco? Or asking questions like, you know, how does it feel to be booking, uh, you know, a great champion? Like, who cares? Like, this is actually probably going to be one of the most uh, interesting. This is, at the very least, it has the potential to be one of the most informative and interesting interviews that Tony Khan will have given to the to wrestling media in a long, long, long time with some with with some meat on the bone juicy questions things that actually we want to know and that we'd like to understand to get a better picture of where all of this is going so i'm excited to see how this is uh how this is gonna how this is going to shape moving forward but yeah look I, i mean the the um you'd have okay i remember the point i wanted to make just a few minutes, a few a minute or two ago, you'd have to think, right, that if WWE let the negotiations waiver go by the wayside a little bit, you have to wonder that it's either one of two things, right? Well, not go by the wayside, but let the let the exclusivity uh, windows close to basically shop around elsewhere. It's one of two things. The first thing is that they're whatever was being offered by Fox and or NBCU did not achieve their expectations. And they were like, no, this is not what we want. This is not what, this is not the money that we wanted. And we're going to go shop around and we're going to try and get something better. And I wouldn't be surprised that they go around, you know, test out the market, come back with either some leverage or with their tail between their legs. Where, so, you know, this is not necessarily, and I'm not saying it's a, automatically a bad thing. I'm saying that it's not necessarily a good thing for WWE to abandon negotiations with their exclusive partners to go shop around. Because the opposite could, could absolutely 100% happen where they shop around, realize they've got the same types of conditions or maybe a little worse. You never know. And have to make maybe a little more concessions than what they would have liked to. And then they go like, well, you know, they'll either take whatever they have there or maybe they'll go back to NBCU and or Fox who are maybe just slightly better. You know, that could absolutely happen. What could also absolutely happen is that they go get some massive leverage 
on the outside and come back to NBCU and Fox. They're like, well, look, we're ready to go because they're offering us what we want. Can you guys equate this? And maybe NBCU, like, you know, all of this can be a part of a big game of chicken, right? Where NBCU goes, sure, we could. Okay, seeing that you got this amount, we'll give you this amount kind of thing. That's that. That's how it, uh, that's how this is going to go. But I'm very, it's, it's a very interesting scenario here. And I'm very interested in seeing how Amazon, <clears throat> pardon me, how Amazon Prime is going to uh, weigh in in all of this. Because I would assume, I would assume that WWE is not interested on having its first run programming happen on a streaming service. I would assume that is not what they want. Uh, I would also assume that they can't do much right now to send stuff out to be streamed elsewhere <laughs> because they uh because they have the deal with Peacock. And Amazon, like mentioned, you know, by by Brandon Thurston in his WrestleNomics Ooh, article. Yeah. The you know the the um they they basically said they being uh, um uh WWE Nick Khan said that Amazon Amazon is looking, you know, to get into media rights, first run media. So I'm like, maybe this is what we're going for, right? Maybe this is, you know, maybe maybe Amazon's not interested. There, that's the point I'm trying to make. Maybe Amazon's not interested in getting like second run. It's like, no, no, we're if you want to come on to our thing, we want live TV. That's what we want. We want to stream you guys live. Oh, you can get it like in an hour, you know, with a two-hour delay after. No. So I I it all depends, I guess, on the willingness of WWE to go full streaming model. And I would also find it a little strange for them to want to go full streaming on Amazon now that they started up their Twitch channel again where they're streaming like you're doing sidecasts and whatever like i i mean that's something you could just throw to the mothballs again like that's not a big deal it's not as if but again look they i'm saying you can throw the wwe channel to the mothballs again but they did enter a partnership with twitch which would imply that twitch paid the money or WWE got some extremely advantageous conditions to stream on Twitch, the embattled Twitch platform seeking desperately to remain relevant with content creators, goes out and reaches out to WWE or WWE reaches out to them and they, and they come to an agreement. You would assume that they, ha because of this partnership, WWE can just be like, oh, well, we'll put the, we'll put the Twitch channel on hold for a while. Like, it doesn't make sense. As I'm talking about, like it doesn't make sense for them to even be like, no, we can put the... the, the. So, so you have the Amazon deal. You have Twitch on the side where the, everyone's streaming stuff. It, it's all... It's a lot. It's a, it's a lot to, 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 to process. 
And I don't see how things connect right now when it comes to Amazon Prime. Or Apple TV or whoever else might be interested in this. Like if they're not if they're not a cable TV at bare minimum a, a, a cable TV outfit, I don't see how WWE benefits from having their first run programming being streamed. Again, because of Peacock. If if Peacock was up for grabs, like if they could just move it off the network today, I don't think there'd be an issue, but we're in 2026. 2026 is when this is happening? No, I don't understand. I really don't understand. So it it's an interesting wrinkle. It's an inter- it's very interesting that Disney is now like for yeah, has entered the has entered the, the 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 conversation seriously this time as opposed to any type of speculation or be- and it's funny because you know for years WWE that's what they wanted to be they wanted to be Disney you know that's that's always been like a an unsung goal I think it's very interesting so that's the latest what's going to happen next I don't know but I think like I said there is a uh, you know, uh, things that are still very interesting. I would not discount at the very least. I would not discount NBCU at the very, very least. Um, even if the the exclusivity window is closed, because I think I, I, I think a network like uh, USA has a lot to lose by losing uh, by by losing WWE on Monday nights. Since we're talking about WWE. Did you get a chance to see the field for the men's Money in the Bank ladder match? It's all put together. We have all our our contestants. Everyone is involved. Santos Escobar is in it. So is LA Knight, Ricochet, Shinsuke Nakamura, Booch, and Damian Priest. And listen. Ah. As exhausted and tired as I am when it comes to fucking ladder matches, this is a good field. This is a good field for an entertaining match that can go just about anywhere. You've got great people involved in this. And people who maybe, if properly motivated, will be will be motivated. But this is very good. And if anything, I'm like, I'm going to be looking forward to watching this match despite my ladder match fatigue. This is still good. It's a good field of people. Good crew. I think overall, you've got more talent than not. You know, I, you know, Eli Drake, L.A. Knight, I like him, always did. Always thought he was meant for the WWE main roster. I am not surprised in the least that he is getting over big time with the WWE crowd. That guy was made for the WWE audience. He was always, he was a a perfect match. But now, you know... Looking, putting me in here with, you know, 
Escobar and Butch and Ricochet. Well, it's a different type of worker, isn't he? Because he's he's not a work rate guy. He's a promo guy. He's a charisma guy, body guy. Got a lot of tools to get himself over in WWE. And and you know, and I know, that work, work rate matters little for World Wrestling Entertainment and its fans to get people over. It really does. So there's no big, there's no big deal here for him. But I'm, I'm excited still to see how this match comes together. Like, it's nice. It's nice to be excited for, for, a WWE match. I don't know if excited is the right word that I'm looking forward to. I think that's I think that's a fairer assessment. Because honestly, I couldn't uh, I couldn't give a shit about Cody Rhodes versus Dominic, right? Like, <laughs> like who's the top heel in the company right now? It's Dominic. Y'all tell me it's Roman Reigns, but. Y'all stand up and point to the sky when he comes out and you acknowledge him and you cheer for him. We're going to stop pretending that he's a heel. We, we have to stop pretending he's a heel. This, you know, this, 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 this stuff here, Dominic, Cody, wasn't Cody supposed to win Money in the Bank? I was, I was told this after WrestleMania after WrestleMania ended, I was told, Warren, don't worry. Cody is going to win Money in the Bank and he's going to get the title at SummerSlam. That's what I was told. Cody Rhodes is nowhere to be found. He will be taking on top heel, monster heat getter, Dominic, Dominic Mysterio, the greatest third generation wrestler of all time. I think, look, you want my you want my honest and frank opinion as if I give you anything else? I believe that this is and you can mark this on your calendar, this is going to be the beginning of the downfall of Dominic. I think people are going to get exhausted by Dominic from this point on. I think we're you know Cody Rhodes is going to carry that kid to the best fucking match of his life. And we know Cody can do it. That's not the issue. But I think from this point on, it is a downward trajectory. What else are you what else do you want to do with uh with Dominic moving forward? And he's not going to ha- he can't hang around Rhea forever. And I will even go as far as to say this. I think I think he is a detriment to Rhea. I think he is. I think he is a, a bad. I think he's bad for Dominic. I think. I think Dominic is bad for Rhea. And they have to separate her away because right now Rhea is probably the best pushed person on the entire roster. Especially when it comes to their champion. She comes in and she ruins her competition. She doesn't just, she doesn't just come in and wrestle a match. She doesn't come in and beat them. She ruins them. She's dominant. She Everything that you should be doing with Rhea Ripley, they're doing it right. Except for the dominant bullshit. 
And you know, it's like, oh. I know people like this ironically, and they don't really hate Dominic. They, they, they boo him because they've been commanded to by WWE production. And it's not like everyone does it like, hey, boo, <laughs> Dominic. <laughs> but that's the thing. Mark my words. Cody is going to get the is going to get a hell of a match out of the kid. He's going to get a hell of a match out of the kid. And maybe, maybe this is the match that will make make us and make me into a Dominic believer. Because I'm going to watch this pay per view. Don't get me wrong. Oh, excuse me, PLE. I'm going to watch it. Especially it's like what at like at at, at three p.m. Because it's it, it's going to be in the UK. Are you kidding me? Nice afternoon on July 1st. Be perfect. And, um, and you, okay. And before we, before we move on, before we get to the, uh, the Q&A here for the live stream. Here's my, here's my prediction. You want a prediction? Do you want a prediction? I'm going to give you a prediction. For next year's WrestleMania. Okay, are you ready for this? I'm going to give you a prediction. What is it? Right, June 13th. I was going to ask what day it is. And I've been saying that all through. Here's my prediction on June 13, 2023. Roman Reigns versus Dwayne The Rock Johnson will happen at WrestleMania 40. I believe with my whole heart... That it is going to happen. And I can give you my logic behind it. It was reported earlier this week. That the first uh, season of the brand new XFL lost $60 million. It's far from profitable. The Young Rock show on NBC cancelled after three seasons. The, um, the boy... All right, the 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 boy the 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 boy shine, Dwayne's shine, as an undeniable box office star has taken a hit with the Black Adam stuff and the DC, you know, shake up DC cinematic universe shake up that happened afterwards and all that drama. He's taken a hit. Our uh, our boy The Rock, everyone's fave, is not as bulletproof as he once was. He won't be able to put on a tattered gray t-shirt and run around in the jungle anymore and instantly become, start printing money. So, I believe he is going to be on an image rehabilitation tour and there will be nothing, nothing better for him than to reconnect with the people who truly and deeply love him, who will always stand by him, WWE fans. As he enters the ring and gets and, and 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 fights Roman at WrestleMania 40. I believe last year, 39, I know everyone was like, everyone, look, I had even done, I I I was, you know, part of a prediction show at some point. Was it a prediction show? No, it was a discussion. And people will the, the legitimate question was, Warren, when did you know who do you think should face the rock at WrestleMania this year. And I'm like, The Rock's not gonna be at 
WrestleMania this year? What are we even doing? What are we talking about? But his projects, they all took a hit. Publicly, his, his untouchable, squeaky clean public image also got, you know, got buffed a little bit. Scuffed, I should say. Not buffed, scuffed. Um, I think he's gonna, he's gonna, uh, I, I think he's gonna be back. And he's gonna do the match with, uh, he's gonna do the match with, uh, with Roman and, uh, people are gonna be really excited. Look, in the chat, present, you know, just as a joke, Vin Diesel. There's no mistake that he's coming back to the Fast and Furious franchise after that very, very public, very, you know, ugly, Falling out, and then suddenly, like, oh, he's coming back. Okay. Uh, all right. Th this guy's no dummy. He understands how public image works. He understands it. So, my prediction, and I'm completely on board with this, as of June 2023, Rock and Roman, WrestleMania 40, it's a thing. It's going to happen. And he's not going to win the Royal Rumble. There's not going to be any nonsense like that. And I'm, and I'm not saying, oh, Warren, are you saying Cody's not going to finish the story? Ah, I wouldn't be surprised, but that's not what I'm saying. Because you can absolutely do Rock versus Roman on night one and Cody versus, Rock, uh, Cody versus Roman on night two. You can absolutely do that. The Rock's not winning the world universal disputed champion. Like, that's not going to... Yeah, if he shows up on the... Uh, he, uh, on the wag picket line, and actually, so and, and actually supports them. He will have so much love. Exactly. Anyway, just a few WWE thoughts. Just, just like that. So I don't know if you heard, but the the G one thirty three blocks were announced. Oh, baby. I am so stoked for the G1 this year. It's ridiculous. And it's all because of the and it's all because of the best of super juniors and everything that they're doing with the with the young guys. It's exciting stuff. Folks, what are we doing? Four blocks of eight guys. Four blocks of eight guys. Which is a shame. It's a shame because <laughs> It's a, look, I talked about it last week a little bit. I'm sorry, Joseph. I didn't. I I hadn't noticed that you had a question. I'm very sorry. When I can't go back. I'm sorry. We'll save it for next week. We'll, we'll do it again next week. I'm sorry. But the look, the blocks here. Here's the thing with the blocks. Uh, like I said last week, with with the field actually, uh, with uh, with all these dudes, it's. Eh, It's 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 too much, too many people. I I think, like I understand what uh, I understand what the what 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 Gato wants to do here, what New Japan wants to do. They want to put as many young guys forward. That's fine. They want to do as many as many of this as possible. Again, that's fine. But listen, thirty-two people again this year. I found I found covering last year's G1 to be a little rough and it's tough to like to get some predictions but look we'll get into it I would have preferred a much leaner G1 than this 
much leaner. But I understand at the same time what they're doing here. So this, this is what we got. Block A is going to contain Sonata, current IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, of course. With him, Chase Owens, Hikaleo, Ren Narita, Shota Umino, Yoda Sushi, Gabe Kidd, and Kaito Kiyomiya. The only two people who have been in a G1 on a previous occasion are Sonata and Chase Owens. Hikaleo, Narita, Umino, Suji, Kid, Kiyomiya. Six newcomers in the block with Sonata. Block B, Kazuchika Okada is our boy here leading the block along with Yoshihashi, Taichi, Kenta, Great Okan, Will Osprey. Tangaloa and El Fantasmo. Block C will contain David Finley, Tomohiro Ishii, Evil, Tamatanga, Shinko, Shingo Takagi, Aaron Hanare, Eddie Kingston, and Mad Mikey Nichols. Whereas Block D will contain Tetsuya Naito, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Hiroki Goto, Zack Sabre Jr., Toru Yano, Jeff Cobb, Shane Haste and Alex Coughlin. So this is so these are that so that's our setup here for the blocks, which will lead us to we're actually going to get quarterfinals, semifinals, as well as the finals on top of that. Uh, the uh, runners up, the winner and runner up of each block is going to move into the quarterfinals. Each match, twenty minutes. As I mentioned last week, that's a good thing for a guy like me who's got to watch everything. <laughs> Twenty-minute time limits are great, and it's going to be advantages. It's going to be an advantages for uh, for a bunch of wrestlers as well. Uh, a few wrestlers, not maybe a bunch, but a few wrestlers on, on in the G one. It's not enough withstanding, uh, and we are going to get eight matches per night until August fifth. When it becomes singles blocks. Of course, this is all starting on, on July 15th. That's the first night. July 15th and 16th are the opening salvos for, uh, for the opening blocks. Um, so like I said, if we start breaking this down a little bit, uh, we've got six debut entrants on the A block, as we, as we mentioned, uh, which, you know, I, everyone was sort of salivating at the idea of having one block being composed of uh, being composed of, of of young guys and then having Kazuchika Okada bitter asshole Kazu right now being there just to smack the shit out of all of them but instead we're getting Sonata I have mixed feelings about Block A uh, and, 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 and the mix the basic mixed feeling that I have is that it is Sonata your top guy vet who will be guiding these dudes along. Who will be helping out Hikaleo get a good match. Who will be guiding Narita and Umino and Gabe Kidd. You know, like, I, I think there's something different here. There's something different in saying, no problem, let... Substitute Sonata and Kazuchika Okada and I'm having a completely different conversation right now. 
I'm, I'm, te- I'm telling you how Okada is going to take all of these guys and he's going to bring out the best in all of them and he's going to still be an asshole and he's still going to beat them all, but he's going to guide them so that every one of these six newcomers all have their shine, all have their time in the sun. And I don't think Sonata's that guy. I don't think Sonata's a guy who can do that. I'm, 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 my, my patience with world champion Sonata is wearing thin right now. We haven't had this conversation yet, I don't think. But my patience with him is wearing thin. I'm not into it. I'm not convinced it's working. Um, people are pointing like, well, he's drawing good, he's drawing good, uh, good gates, drawing good gates, but we're not back to pre-pandemic levels. Now, if we had done Dominion and Dominion had drawn like a 12,000 people, 13,000 people, 14,000, like we're getting into pre-pandemic numbers, then I'd be like, okay, we've got something with Sonata here, but we don't. It's better than during the pandemic and God, I hope so, but we're not at pre-pandemic levels. So we're going to pump the brakes on the Sonata glory here. I'm, I'm not seeing it. I'm not feeling it. And look, again, between between us both, what were his two big matches that he had recently, right? He had Duntaku against Hiromu, and he had Dominion against Suji, right? Duntaku, he steps in the ring with Hiromu, who is the audience cheering for? They're all behind Hiromu. And you can spin this any way you want. That, that crowd was, was behind Hiromu Takahashi. His match with Yoda Suji, a guy who came out of nowhere that people barely remembered. He came, comes back from excursion, puts on a hood, starts smiling. And people were behind him. They wanted him to win. They wanted him to beat Sonata. There's something not, something not working the way we were hoping. I'm just saying. But back to the A block. I think there's a lot of interesting things here, but this, look, I don't even know how this is going to be advantageous for Sonata. How is Sonata going to look like a, like a, a, a big time champion? How is this going to help elevate him as, as, as a top guy and as a champion if all he does is beat all the new guys? Cause you know, he's winning the block. Let, we're not going to be stupid here, are we? He's winning the block. At the very least, maybe some last-minute drama where he's the runner-up. But he's advancing. My point is, he's advancing to the quarters, right? The only other guy here that I'm like that 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 that, I, that would make sense is is Kiyomiya. We're going to talk about him in a second, trust me. But Kiyomiya, why would you have Kiyomiya in the G1 if it's not to give us the Okada rematch? And I'm asking sincerely. Because you saw the reaction, or you heard the reaction, when Kiyomiya was announced at Dominion as being a part of the G1. Huge pop. Huge That'll work for the Japanese crowd. That I that I have confidence in it being a drawing match.
But my point here is that he's going to go through all of these guys, most of these guys anyway. He being Sonata. But they're, you know, they're all newbies. They're all rookies. They're all guys who just, you know, who just they just lost. A lot of them just got rid of the little black boots, you know? I don't know what I don't know what's the benefit for Sonata to go through everyone in this block here. Okada has the story to go it, it, again. We wouldn't be having this conversation if it's Okada, because Okada has the story of hating all the kids. <laughs> Okada's in pure fuck them kids mode. So he you'd be you'd be rooting for him to beat everyone up, right? To a degree. That's a story. That's interesting. That's fun. And he doesn't have anything to prove. It's it's fucking Kazuchika Okada. Block B is an interesting one. Okada, that's Okada's block. You've got Tai Chi in there. You've got Will Osprey in there. You've got Phantasmo in there. So we're getting another Okada Osprey match, which you you could give me any day of the week. That is that that's outstanding to me, and I and I'm curious to see how this is going to continue developing because um, Will's story is that he never wins the big matches. Right? He can never beat the big guys. The the big stars. That's where he is right now. So Okada is going to have a good, a good tournament, of course. I think Tai Chi might actually turn up. <clears throat> I think that's what we're getting, right? We're getting Okada and Tai Chi on night one, and I'm super stoked for it. Right? Let me just just double check here. Block B. Uh, no, we're getting Kazu and Great Okan on night one. Apologies. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. But when that does happen, it's going to rule, like, regardless. That's a match I'm really excited to see. But see here, El Fantasmo in here is going to be a bit of a dark horse. This is going to be the guy. <clears throat> this is a guy that Ghetto could absolutely book in one of these positions where he loses a few opening matches. He loses a few opening matches, but then next thing you know, he's uh, he's all over the place, and he's scoring and, he, and he's scoring tiebreakers left and right kind of thing. <clears throat> he's got a he's got a pretty even um, he's got a pretty even tournament to start off right. His on night one he's got Yoshihashi. Night three is uh, Okada. Great Okan on night five. Tongaloa on on night seven, and Kenta on, on on night nine. So you could make an argument that El Fantasmo should beat everyone except uh, except Okada. Then we get Tai Chi in day eleven. Night 11, and then he ends up against Will Ospreay on night 14. And I think that's very telling. I think that's very telling. That means that El Fantasmo is going to be a player as we creep towards the finals. Because look, Okada's got Tongaloa on the final night of, of regular block action. He's That's a no-brainer there. Like, Okada is... It, 
at this point, he will have secured his position as to, in regards to moving forward, right? Taichi and Great Okan could be like legitimately, Phantasmo Will Ospreay is going to be the match that most of us will be looking forward to. That will be the one that will have the most questions, essentially. What the hell is going on kind of thing? What's going to be the next, you know, what 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 could the, the possible outcome be here? It's going to be a very interesting one and one that has the potential for the most big-time five-star matches. Don't sleep on Tai Chi at all. Osprey is who he is. El Fantasmo can pull it out. Okada will be great. C block is going to be the violent block. This is going to be the block of people who just want to beat the shit out of each other and I'm completely here for it. Finley. Finley's going to continue down this trajectory of being the savage and I think this has to be, it has to be a crucial moment for him as well. And I think he knows it. This is going to be such an important moment for him to just be the absolute savage that he says he is. It's going to be so crucial for him. Look, we got Ishii and Eddie Kingston here. I can't remember who told me. It's like Eddie Kingston. Uh, Eddie Kingston would probably die fighting Tomohiro Ishii. And he'd be okay with it. Shingo was in here as well. Like, you know, everyone's talking about Ishii and Kingston. But Takagi and Kingston, what are we even doing? This is going to rule. And you don't think Aaron Hanare and Eddie Kingston is not going to rule? Hanare's fantastic. Hanare, so many people sleep on him. But we've got so much potential for just hard hitting. This is good. This is the hard hitting fighting spirit block right here. I am so stoked for it. And we got evil in there. And then the D block, the D block is the vets. It's the, it's the old guard. It's uh, Tanahashi, Naito, Goto. Weird to say Zack Sabre Jr., but that's what this is here. It's a fine little block. It, this will be a very interesting block to follow to see, if only to see what they do with Hiroshi Tanahashi, who has had very poor G1s. The past two G1s for him have been poor. Not unremarkable, not bad, poor. 22nd consecutive G1 for the ace. And I think we're wrapping it up. I I think this is the this is the story they've been telling with Tanahashi and I think this is going to be another G1 where not unlike what they did with Kushida where it's just like he cannot keep up anymore. He can't keep up with how things are evolving in New Japan now. There's not that there you know this is not the young guy block Alex Coughlin isn't here, which I wouldn't be surprised at all. When is Coughlin fighting? Let's see here. What on the first night of D Block? Hiroshi Tanahashi is taking on Goto. That's that, yeah, that's a safe start. Uh, but don't be surprised if Alex Coughlin beats Hiroshi Tanahashi uh, on their on their block night. I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest.
So the blocks are really interesting. As we get closer, we're going to start previewing maybe a little more in depth, getting into it, uh, you know, a lot deeper and what's going on night per night. Because uh, there's a lot of stuff, you know, there's a lot of things that are very, very interesting, especially when you start looking at the final nights, the final night starting on, on August 5th, seeing who's being paired up with who on those final nights. Narita and Kiyomiya for Block A, for instance. That's going to be an interesting one to, to see. Yoda Suji and Gabe Kidd. We, and Sonata and Chase Owens are going to be on the last night of Block A action, which I find curious, right? Um, we talked about Block B, Block C. You know, I don't think Eddie Kingston is going to be a winner or even is necessarily going to qualify. He's fighting David Finley on the last night, which I think is pretty much a death sentence for Kingston on that end. There's no way they're not pushing Finley to the moon here. Takagi and Evil on the last night. And then we got Tamatanga and Aaron Hanari and Tomohiro Ishii and Mikey Nichols. I think those are going to be non-issues. But I think those are going to be your four players for for block uh, C. And then to wrap up block D, Yano and Coughlin. That's a, that's a nothing match. But we're getting Tanahashi and Naito. We're getting Jeff Cobb and Shane Hayes and Goto and Zack Sabre Jr. That's a very interesting. That's some very interesting pairings to wrap it all up too. So as we get closer, and don't forget, I'm going to be doing my, uh, I'll be doing my, my uh, usual, annual, daily G1 cover. I say daily. I'm going to, I'm going to try, I'm going to try my very best to do daily, uh, daily G1 recaps. Over the past couple of years that I've been doing, I've been doing them every, after every two nights of action, I do a wrap up. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try it this year. I'm going to try, I'm going to do my very best to provide at the very least some audio, at the very least. <laughs> but we'll, you know, we'll see what happens because look, in the meantime, we're going to have Dynamite. We're going to have, you know, Dynamite's going to be involved. I'm still going to do the Mr. Warren Hayes show. Uh, you know, I'll be doing collision reviews. First collision review is going to be this Sunday. Don't forget. Um, so we're all going to do that. Uh, so, but I'm committed because I love the G1. The G1 is the best wrestling tournament of the year. So I'm going to cover it like I've done every year. And I'm going to tell you, look, maybe you're listening and you're like, Warren, I, you know, I've never watched the G1. I don't know what, what's going on. Then subscribe to the channel. Subscribe on your on your audio feed for podcasts. I will guide you through it. I'll tell you what's going on. I'll tell you. But if you do have the 10 bucks to get in on this on New Japan World and subscribe for a month or two to watch the G1, I, I think this is, a, this is going to be a... a, a Right now, New Japan is a great is in a great moment to get into it because it's exciting, it's fresh, and there's a whole bunch of new faces that are going to shape the future of the company, and it's all happening right now. I don't think there's been a better time in a long time for people to get into New Japan. I think, and and you might as well do it with G1 season, especially if you like some goddamn good pro wrestling. This is what it's all about. So you can start off and start listening to my to. Uh, to my recaps, to my reviews. And you're like, oh, Warren's really into it. I'm going to subscribe. But, oh, Warren's not really into it. I'll wait. 
but consider me your guide this year. It'd be my pleasure to guide you along. Especially in regards to the Kaito Kiyomiya stuff, right? If you're a member of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show channel, I already talked about this on Friday, on the uh, Saturday, I should say, on the members only stream, which we did exceptionally on uh, on Friday. But uh, listen, I'll, re- I'll read this off of Post Wrestling, an article that, uh, that was published on June 10, saying Kaito Kiyomiya officially withdraws from Pro Wrestling Noah's 2023 N1 Victory Tournament. The N1 Victory is Noah's uh, 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 equivalent answer to the G1. It's their big tournament, big singles heavyweight tournament of the year. Um, and Kaito Kiyomiya, ace of the company, former GHC world champion, decided to to go, hey, you know what? I'm not doing it this year to focus on the G1. Here, let me read the article. The move was not a surprise. Well, well here. The, the 2022 N1 victory winner, Kaito Kiyomiya, will not return to the tournament this year after uh, he withdrew. The move was not a surprise given that the Noah star is part of the field for this summer's New Japan Pro Wrestling G1 Climax. And there is an overlap in the schedules. Both tournaments will be running on August 6, 9, and 10. Speaking at Saturday's Noah's uh, at Saturday's Noah Sunny Voyage show in Yokohama, Kiyomiya said, "Quote: As a result of taking of talking with the company, I decided to withdraw from the N1 Victory in order to focus on G1 Climax. I've come to the conclusion that I will become a G1 star. I will come back with a win." So on its surface, it's like, ah, this is harmless, right? And 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 Japan right now is very much in a position where everyone is sharing talent and running, you know, shows with each other. And uh, it, there's very much a, 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 a an environment. It's very much a, an environment of, of, of uh, uh, co-opetition right now. You know, they're all competitors. They're all, they all want to make money, but they, they're all making the water level rise so that, you know, all boats, all ships rise along with it. So it's, you know, there's no real surprise that, uh, you know, there's a guy from another Japanese promotion coming into the G1. It happens, and it happens quite frequently. There's more than enough precedent. But you know what else there's precedent for? There's precedent for a wrestler being sent to another promotion on loan from his home promotion and never returning to his home promotion. There's precedent on that quite a bit. So, and that's kind of the question that's lingering here. Is Kaito Kiyomiya, you know, soft leaving Noah? Is he is he is he maneuvering his way into New Japan? I mean, look, from a purely business point of view, from in regards to Bushi Road right now, right? The owners of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Would they be comfortable right now in getting into a situation where they are, um, where they remove, where they take away a star, a, a legitimate star from another company and sort of poach them away into their, into their ranks? Despite the fact that everyone's sort of close, working closely together, would that be a little treacherous? Would that be a little, you know, uh, would that be a little backstabby of a move to pull off? 
I mean, you couldn't wonder, you know, if politically that's a smart thing to do. Like I said, everyone's in a very com- is is very much in a in a mood where you know we're all going to work together so that pro wrestling can thrive because we just came out of the pandemic. All promotions are suffering. If we all work together, this will go better. Would New Japan take advantage of this to poach one of their top one of Noah's top stars? It's a legitimate question to ask for real. But New Japan, you can absolutely argue, has been treating Kaito Kiyomiya better than Noah has this year. Or for a while, maybe, you know, that that's 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 a whole other discussion that maybe we're not going to get into right now, but you know, at least for this year. Kiyomiya comes in on the crossover show with New Japan, and he kicks then world champion Kazuchika Okada, one of the greatest of all time and you know, top star of the company, kicks him right in the face. And this devolves into a glorious angle, which was paid off at one of the biggest shows in Japan of the year, where, sure, Okada decimated the little punk, sure, but still is put in a position where, Kiyomiya being in a position where he's working with New Japan's top guy. And this must not be lost on anyone that Okada and The Office didn't decide to just pull up, you know, work with this kid for, you know, pure reasons out of the goodness of their hearts. It's because they saw something here. There's something here to nurture. And it goes beyond just putting on a couple of good crossover shows. No, 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 no. New Japan saw something, see something in Kiyomiya. They would, they would not be letting that kid even breathe close to Okada if they didn't think he had something to offer. And this, of course, this whole feud is what kicked off, you know, asshole Okada for the rest of the year. This is what, this is what done, it has, it has done it. So, it would be false to say that New Japan is just, oh, well, he can come over and it'll be fine. No, no, no. They're working, they're working an angle here. And I'm not talking wrestling speak. I'm talking, they're working, they're working a way to try to get this kid onto their good side. And if you're Kaito Kiyomiya and you see everything that's happening in New Japan right now, that they're going hard on the new kids, they're pushing the new guys straight out of Young Lion territory. They're putting Yoda Suji in main events of fucking Dominion. They're banking on the new guys. Meanwhile, in Noah, it's still a mess. And it's been a mess for, for a while, and it still is. You're not quite sure what's happening. You're a 25-year-old guy. A, a guy that everyone sees a bright future for. A guy who can absolutely be a megastar in the business a megastar in Japan and maybe even beyond. The traits are the traits are there, they're undeniable. You're 25 years old. What what would you do in this circumstance? What would you do? Be like, yeah. I might I might try this company out. You the, the grass does look really fucking greener here on this side. It makes a lot of sense. Like, I don't know who's saying 
oh, he's going to be a bigger star and no one when he comes back. He's not. That's, that's, no. He's going to be a bigger star if he stays in New Japan Pro Wrestling because they've been handling him better than they have been in Noah. And they will continue to make him look good. Like, it is preposterous to think that we're not, at some point in this G1, we are not getting the Kiyomi Okada match back. If we don't, I think that is a sign, more than anything else, that Kiyomi is on his way to New Japan. Because why wouldn't you... If, you, if we don't get the match at the G1, when's the next opportunity? When is the next crossover show? Maybe there won't be another crossover show. Maybe Kiyomiya will just be part of the roster. And here's the other thing. Everyone's saying, well, he, he signed, he signed, he signed. Do we know he signed? I don't know if he signed. And, and I mean this with earnestly. I don't know if he signed with Noah. I don't know if he has a contract with pro wrestling Noah. A lot of wrestlers in Japan were you'd be surprised let me rephrase that you'd be surprised at the amount of wrestlers in Japan who work without a contract who work for promotions on a regular basis on handshakes and and you know and verbal deals because the way the the way loyalty works to the promotion is much different than here in the United States North America anyway um where where wrestlers who are treated well in their promotions and so on and so forth that will be enough for them to stay or at least be very cordial when it's time to leave so they might be going around shaking hands and and you know being you know they might go around and say look you know I've got this offer to go over here would you be okay with that and if 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 the home promotion says no I'm not okay with that they'll probably stay or they'll jump ship and that'll cause drama and that'll cause friction then it turns into good old fashioned grimy pro wrestling and that's a whole other that's a whole other ball game but usually they will turn to their home promotion and and get their okay before moving elsewhere regardless i know of promotions in the UK who have been the home for uh for japanese talent i know of promotions in the UK who had their talent reach out to them to say, look, I'm going to work here in the West. I'm going to be working here. Are you okay with this? I'm like, sure, you know, get paid. But that's how it works. Also, we're, you know, we're supposing right now, we're assuming that this is all being a little, this is all being dealt a little backhandedly, right? That it's not above board. Maybe it is all above board and we're just not privy to the discussions. Maybe right now, Kaito Kiyomiya, has his has his papers his his he's got his pink slip and knows like you know best of luck on your future endeavors kid and everyone's being super quiet about it for kayfabe reasons the next thing you know he'll show up on new japan and he'll be a new japan guy maybe this is all you know maybe at the same time this is all being done very much above board and we just don't we're not privy to that kind of information why would we but I guess the point I'm trying to make is don't sleep on the fact that Kaito Kiyomiya is in the G1. He's not coming to the G1, I don't think, to be a bigger star in Noah. I think he is coming to the G1 to be a bigger star 
in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And that's the nuance. The G1 is going to be exciting. It's just one of the reasons that is making this G1 so friggin' compelling this year. All right, folks, it is time to review Impact Wrestling Against All Odds, which is a show that happened this past Friday, um, June 9th, from the Ohio Expo Center in Columbus, Ohio. Now, I have no problems at all reviewing Impact's uh, shows. I don't watch the weekly show because there's a there's a lot of stuff about Impact that I find doesn't connect. And I think I've I connect with me. And I think I figured it out. I think it's a question of everyone has these the, the shows that are put together have these intentions. But because of I don't know if it's lack of energy, production, cohesion, there's always something that fails to completely click. And I feel this was a problem significant that was significant in this show that made me realize this is why I don't watch the weekly show. I prefer to watch the their their, their pay-per-views, their impact plus shows, or their you know, their YouTube subscriber, what I forget what it's called. But I prefer to watch those because usually more concise, action-oriented, there's you know, there's always going to be some misses. But usually there's some fantastic highs on the shows, which make them good watches. I cannot not recommend this show. I think you should watch this show. I think it's a good show. Because of a couple of matches that made it special. Because of a couple of talents on the show that make, that make impact uh, unique right now. But there's this weird counterbalance of what am I watching exactly... That makes it really weird and, and difficult for me to go to get completely into. This is different from what I feel about NXT, where I think NXT is garbage. I think the presentation sucks. I think most of the people they put forward stinks. And once in a while, we're going to get a good PLE out of them. Just like uh, Battleground, I thought was pretty good. But then you'll get a stand and deliver. You'll get a Halloween Havoc. You'll be like, what the fuck am I watching? But then you'll turn on, turn around and get an insurrection. What was it called? Into uh, insurrection, in in destruction. That that new concept match that they did in February or something. January, I don't remember. I like that too. I like that match. These are they're uneven shows. But the thing here is that the highs on impact on these shows here make them worthwhile, and they're short. They're short. You r- scrub off the, the 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 you know the pre-show. I watched the pre-shows, the pre-show matches. I'm not even going to talk about them. And I I thought they stunk. But once you get into the show itself, it rolls, man. This is, was not a bad wrestling show, and I recommend it. You'll see why in a few. Frankie Kazarian opened up the show, defeating Eddie Edwards. This is a fine match. It was fine. Nothing special, nothing great. Good energy though, fun moves, but there you go. This was the thing, it lacked something. It's my very different, because if you watch this match completely objectively, 
you're looking at Frankie Kazarian and Eddie Edwards who are they're not slouches and even at this stage in their career this advanced moment they're they're still so good at what they do but we never got over a hump there's something that just didn't click and and I can't put my finger on it and I did and I did that meme you know the 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 Leo, the Leo DiCaprio meme this one here you know leaning forward in my seat pointing to the screen it was like this is there you go this is why I have trouble getting into impact wrestling on a weekly basis it's because of stuff like this like I see the match the match is good this is fine but it just didn't click I have no good reason to give you. And, and if anyone were to tell me, Warren, this was so great, perfectly executed, so smooth, I'd be like, you're right. But I, 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 I don't know. I, I don't know what to tell you. It did not do it for me. And there was also, there was a weird sequence finish, actually, at the end where... Kazarian tried they they did a, a superplex if I'm not mistaken and Kazarian then on the mat tried to lace up um Eddie Edwards legs into like a roll-up position like a surprise roll-up off the superplex and it was it happened really awkwardly and then when it happened the ref counted to three but then said two so then the guys had to go through another pin sequence eh, you know so anyway and we had the impact world tag team titles were defended successfully by ABC once again Ace Austin Chris Bay defeating the good hands I thought this was a very good match this this I thought was very good a ABC I'll tell you what Ace Austin Chris Bay they're a shining spot on every show I watch on every impact show I watch these guys are uh, they just shine through. They are on another level as far as their work goes, their presentation, their presence. They are on another level from tons of people on this show. And you know, they've meshed into a tag team. We talk about, I talk about, Catch-22, Catch-22, right? Uh, TJP, Francesco Kira over in New Japan. I talk a lot about them and how they're how they coalesced you know in such two singles guys thrown into a tag team they're like yeah we're gonna make this work and they are one of the smoothest best tag teams one of the best tag teams they're in my top three but they and Austin have been a tag team for like a year and they're they're going out and doing fantastic stuff phenomenal this is a team I would love to see them Break out, go and go and have a tour, fighting other great tag teams, top all the top tag te teams in the world. I'd love to see them against the Bucks. I'd love to see them against FTR and Aussie Open and uh, any iteration of of uh, of um, any iteration of the uh, the House of Black. I'd love to see them against Bishamon. Love it. These guys have been remarkably good. So, I just love to see them sharpen themselves against these other guys, is what I'm saying. And the good hands, they're fine. 
You know, they're, they're fine. And I don't know if, you know, if the name is supposed to, is meant to be a rib on those guys. You know, we know what it means. It's wrestling lingo, hardy har har. And I, I think is the rib that, you know, they call themselves the good hands, but they're supposed to be better than just good hands. Because I'm going to tell you, I think they're pretty fine pro wrestlers, but they're nothing extraordinary. They're pretty much the definition of what I consider to be a good hand. Because they work, they're, they're strong workers, but I'm not popping out of my seat to see them. You know, this whole thing with Brian Myers, it's not, it's not hitting all the spots for me. Match was very good. And the hands get some good offense in, but Bay and Austin, they're just on another level. So again, I don't know if the idea is they call themselves the good hands because that's what they've been called all their career. And in reality, they're much better wrestlers, but I didn't see it here. Anyway, this match was smooth, dynamic, creative. Cut her in the fold, put the, put the, the good hands away for Austin and Bay. They're stars, man. I don't know what to tell you. And we get the dog collar match between Masha Slamovich and Killer Kelly. Masha defeated Killer Kelly here. This was a complete disappointment. Complete. I was really expecting something more from these two women here. For, you know, you know, especially Masha. Especially Masha Slamovich, who went, who goes to war when she's out there hitting the indies when she's in the ring with Rina Yamashita just destroying each other I'm like let's go dog collar alright baby but it didn't rise nothing happened I mean, there was a cool spot when Masha hung Killer Kelly over the top rope the way that was all executed I thought that was cool but this just under under delivered and even with Killer Kelly I think she's much more fearless than this. It was fine, but I had higher expectations for this. Not bad, just a lingering, unattended expectation. And we had the Impact X Division title where Chris Sabin defeated champion Trey Miguel to become a nine-time X Division champion. This was fantastic. Well above their under siege match, which I had, if you go back and you listen to my review, the finish over there had given me the impression that there was another one in the chamber and this was the one here. Saban, just outstanding here. It's crazy to believe that this guy has been wrestling for almost 25 years and he can still operate at this level. At such a high performance level, crisp, smooth, can hang with guys like Miguel who are in their prime, right? I'm not saying that Chris Sabin isn't, it's just like, but Miguel, like he's still young. He's got, you know, all the natural attributes that come with youth. We had Miguel in this match try to get a win with the cradle shock, couldn't get it done. Sabin paid homage to former X Division champions Christopher Daniels and AJ Styles by pulling out a, an Angel's Wings and a Styles Clash, but finally won with the Cradle Shock. Just good stuff. A, a very fantastic match. Fantastic. Nine-time division champion. I believe it's a record. 
I enjoyed it. And Chris Sabin, Chris Sabin, like there's there's wrestlers like that, right? That they just don't seem human. It doesn't seem possible to be doing this for so long and still see, still be so fucking good. This is a great match. Got nothing to say. Other nothing, nothing really bad to say about it. Then we get an 8-4-1 match to determine the Impact World Title number one contender. The 8-4-1, in case you're not familiar with it, we have it's the 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 match starts as an eight-man tag, and uh, the team who defeats the members of the team who defeat the other team uh, stay in the uh, stay in the ring, and the match becomes a four-way match to determine who is the number one contender. So the teams were the teams were um, Bully Ray, Jonathan Gresham, Heath, and Nick Aldis. And the other team was Moose, Speedball Mike Bailey, Rich Swan, and PCO. And uh, they were playing up in segments, you know, that Bully Ray doesn't like anyone. No one likes Bully Ray. Look, it doesn't matter. Um, and again, look, the, here's another show where there's a multi-man to make a number one contender. And, you know, I much prefer, I much prefer building a number one contender as opposed to, hey, let's have a match with, you know, 17 million people to determine the number one. I much prefer the opposite. You know, there's exceptions, of course, like the Royal Rumble is special and it's well done and it's, you know, whatever. But, you know, when you start throwing this stuff together, and again, it's just a thing where a lot of guys come together and get their shit in and don't call it a scramble by God, but that's pretty much how it feels. That's how it comes across as, and it's a perfect example, again, of another match that just doesn't have that spark, that doesn't from, from doesn't have that, 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 that energy from everyone, except for a couple of spots, but it's like, there's too many good people in this match for me to be like, where things feel disjointed and nothing really flows and this wasn't bad it wasn't good either then we get to the final four and there's this oh my god there is this cringy interminable spot where Scott Demore apparently Scott Demore had been off of TV since being thrown through a, a flaming table which I appreciate you can you know you sell the injury right and then he comes back there to confront Bully Ray and he's got a chair and Bully Ray is challenging him to swat him with the chair and Damore eventually does weak ass chair shot and from what I'm understanding we're building towards Scott Damore versus Bully Ray at Slammiversary and I sincerely do not know who this match is for I do not know who this match is for it, like I think you have to be the most faithfulest of impact faithfuls you know what is the equivalent of a freakazoid for impact or an e-drone what is the equivalent for impact uh, uh freakazoids I don't know but I think you have to be you really have to be so invested into this
but and the spot was long. And I'm like, why is this taking so long? And Bully Ray is monologuing, and I'm like, oh, okay. See, he's on his busted open thing, and he's talking about how great Roman Reigns is, you know, and oh, great, you know, he's one of the greatest champions of all time. So what does he do? He goes into the ring and he monologues. He monologues just like Roman Reigns does, but he's Bubba Ray Dudley. Who the fuck cares? Nick Aldis won the match with the Cloverleaf. I don't find Impact to be particularly good at multi-man matches unless they're X Division matches. And yet there's a couple on every show. I uh, they don't get they they really don't do anything for me. Diana Perazzo and Trinity defeated the team of Giselle Shaw and Savannah Evans. This was dull. And it breaks my heart to say, but it was dull. I have no notes about the match, really. Well, I have a few. That's Trinity and, and Perazzo have this thing where they don't get along, but they're teaming together. But they do get along because they hug and they're friends and they they do dance moves together and they're they're fighting each other at Slammiversary. Nothing felt urgent and compelling in this match and had no heat. And and Perazzo wins with La Magistrale on 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 Evans. And Giselle Shaw is just there watching her. And I'm like, what, what are we doing here? Sorry, uh, this was dull. Let's move on. Six-man tag team Ohio Street Fight where the reunited OVE. Sammy Callahan with back with his boys, Jake Chris and Madman Fulton. Glad to see Madman Fulton. They defeated the design. Diener, Allen Angels, and Khan. Good little plunder match. Nothing that I'll remember within a week. I mean, folks were excited for Madman Fulton to be back in OVE, and I think that's great. You know, and maybe this is, again, is another question where I, I, I created an expectation for myself, where I'm like, look, the dog collar match happened, there was no blood. There was nothing at all. No... And I'm like, okay, we're going into a plunder match, and it's a, and it's a Sammy Callahan match. And I'm like, okay, maybe we're gonna get some, maybe we're gonna get something. And then the design come out and they're dressed in white. And I'm like, let's go. No, I mean, Diener got a gash on his nose, but there was nothing. There was, there's nothing other than that. You know, I'm not shitting on the match. It was fun. It had cool spots, but it didn't hit that second gear of, of, of intensity and violence, which I think could have made it really special. Diener lands a burning hammer off the, Apron through a barbed wire board. Jake Chris taking that bomb, that uh, bump, excuse me. Callahan, uh, Callahan to win the match has to land a couple of cactus drivers to get the job done. Fun little match, but you know where I'm like, where's the, where's the meat and potatoes here? But it was fine. It was all right. I enjoyed it. Good energy. I liked it better. I liked it better than uh, than the previous two matches. How you doing, Dan? Pro Wrestling Eve. Good to see you. Yep, yep. Yes, I am. And uh, finally, the Impact World Title match. Alex Alex Shelley defeated Steve Macklin in what has to be considered a surprise, right? I don't think anyone really saw this coming. And on top of that, this was an excellent match. I mean, this this is when you go out of your way to watch. This was great. This was yeah. It makes the show. 
excellent, excellent main event. And not unlike his partner, right? His tag team partner, Chris Saban. It's crazy that Alex Shelley, another 20-year vet, is operating at this level, 40 years old, slick, smooth, inventive. There's, there's really something, and maybe it's becoming more of a norm, but since, you know, a lot of my formative years in pro wrestling had the ceiling like at 30, 30 years old, you were, you, you know, you were over the hill when it came to pro wrestling, right? So to me, that there are, there are wrestlers out there who still have careers into their 40s and not just careers come in, do a couple of spots, get paid, are still working their ass off and still feeling like they're in their prime. Like I can't say, I can't look, I can't look at this match and say Alex Shelley's out of his prime. He is absolutely in it. You know, nutrition, uh, sports medicine, everything that has come together to allow pro wrestlers to have long careers is phenomenal. And, and like I said, this had to come across as a surprise. Who the hell thought Impact were going to crown Shelley? Because I wasn't. I was convinced that this was a heat vehicle for Macklin. 100%. Whereas like, because this was, the story was, Alex Shelley never won the big one in Impact. Never was a world champion in Impact. Tried, failed, never was able to do it. I was like, there you go. Macklin stomps on his dreams again. Beloved pro wrestler Alex Shelley, loved by the locker room, loved by the fans. Let's go stomp another hole into, into his dreams. But no, they decided to get shocking here. And Shelley worked a, a beautiful game. He worked limbs just to stay in control, doing float overs and transitioning move to move. Just like the kind of stuff where you're like, ah. I lap that shit up. It's just a joy to watch. And all Macklin could do in this match was brute force his way through it, right? It's, you know, it's like when you have these, these video games that, you know, where, you, where you're presented with a door in a game and you can either lock pick it or you have the option to brute force through it, right? Well, that's what Macklin was like, ah, fuck this shit. <clears throat> Just barges through the door. He had to do it because it was the only way for him to keep up with Shelly. Shelly was outmatching him. He came off as a beast. Shelly survives a KIA attempt. Uh, not just an attempt, a, a full, the move. He avoided it. And he starts throwing sliced breads around. Just like it's no one, just like they're, you know, fucking clotheslines. No big deal. I'm Alex Shelley. The tree of woe spear backfires as Macklin lands into an exposed turnbuckle, which that's his own damn fault, by the way. Some great back and forth as Shelley distracts, uh, distracts, and gets, uh, excuse me, not distracts, but dictates the pace right into a shell shock. And I, look, I was expecting Macklin to retain. He didn't. And I don't think, you know, I, 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 I've seen some, some talk amongst Impact fans that, you know, they did Macklin a disservice. They jobbed him out too soon. They should, title reign too short. I think I found Steve Macklin's reign to be outstanding quite frankly i thought that i thought it was great 
He had some defining, defining defenses, strong, powerful look at Holy shit. That, did you take the time to go watch the PCO match from um, the, the other pape from Under Siege? Because if you haven't, it's still very much something that Warren Hayes uh, says you should go watch, but be prepared kind of thing. Macklin was developed here into into a beast, into a guy for this company. I loved his run. I think his reign, as short as it is in comparison to other title reigns, elevated him. It elevated him into a serious contender, a serious guy. We you you cannot see Steve Macklin in impact in any other way now, and you can reactivate him at any moment as well, especially when Josh Alexander returns. really cool and you know what fuck predictability in pro wrestling let's go let's go with some new creative ideas and uh, you know I'm I'm head over heels with what's going on in Japan right now in New Japan keep me on my toes pro wrestling give me more of the Motor City Machine Guns posing together in the middle of the ring at the end of the pay-per-view with each each of the boys with a singles title in their hands. Give me some more of those feels. That fucking rules. And you know what? There's enough that's been laid out here where I can't say for certain that Nick Aldis, who is the new number one contender, is going to be fighting Alex Shelley at Slammiversary. At least that's, the, that's where we're going, right? I can't say for sure that Nick Aldis is going to win. Whereas with Macklin, I was like, oh, Aldis is going to win. But now in this circumstance right here with, with Alex Shelley getting the belt and being a guy, a beloved guy, and who everyone universally seems to be saying, this was an excellent match. It was such a good decision and an expected one. Everyone seems to be patting impact on the back. I'm not so sure you go with all this. What will all this bring to the table? At least so early in an Alex Shelley run that Alex Shelley cannot give. I don't see it. I don't see what Nick Aldis has to give right now that Alex Shelley is not providing. I wouldn't, I wouldn't pull the trigger on this so soon. Whereas with Macklin, whereas with Macklin, I would have been like, yeah, sure. I can see it. I, I can see why you'd want to do that. There you go. Good show overall. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it tremendously. Well, tremendously. I enjoyed the good parts of the show are very good. Lots of lulls. Not a lot. Hang on. I'm trying. This is a bad wrap-up, Warren. Try again. Okay, I will. Thank you. This was a good show. <laughs> you will be entertained. I, I recommend it. Because the good stuff is phenomenal. It'll make you forget the humdrum stuff. Um, and there are shining stars in Impact. Just legitimate, shining people. World-class pro wrestlers. That you need to that needs to be in your rotation. You need to watch. Good little show. And you're in and out like what two two hours? 
two and a half, two and a quarter, two and a half, something like that. The longest match uh, on the show was uh, the main event. Twenty-two minutes. And, you know, I mean, there's a lot worse you can do with your time. And we're gonna wrap up everything right now with the weekly wrestling inspection. <laughs> This Dan, the problem with people in wrestling. This is uh, from the chat here. The problem with people with it, excuse me. The problem is the people in wrestling thinking they know it all. So very few places try new things, and when many do, a lot of the fans thinking they know it all and how it should be done based on repetition of what they've seen rip it to pieces because quote unquote that's not how it should be done. This is true, which is why we need more open-minded people. I will absorb and try other things out. There you go. Thank you for that, Dan. And thank you, everyone, for listening, watching to the Mr. Warren, listening, listening to the Mr. Warren Hayes Show or watching the Mr. Warren Hayes Show. If you are watching this on YouTube and you are live right now, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you sticking to the very end. If you haven't already, leave a like on the video. I would appreciate that a great deal. And if you're watching on demand, a video, a like, a subscription would be great as well and podcast listeners as well thank you so much five star review on apple podcast five star rating on spotify appreciate it a great deal i appreciate it tons and if you were watching live tonight i hope you appreciated the new format we're gonna you know try things out we're gonna tweak things we're gonna make things even better week after week so thank you for bearing with me tonight and if you haven't and if you're like what is he talking about what's so special about the streams why don't you come on over to a live stream at some point? We'd love to have you record every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern. And I'd love to see you here. But in the meantime, don't forget, I will be back this Thursday for another AEW Dynamite review. My very first AEW Collision review will be this Sunday as well. So there's a lot of stuff coming up here on the Mr. Warren Hayes Show. Things but in the meantime, I hope you have a great rest of your week, everyone. Thank you very much for your time, and I'll see you next time.